I'm kind of trying to figure out if I'm going to preach after all the powerful anointed worship and prayer and then a powerful announcer. <laughs> Isn't that great? Hey, speaking of, uh, this is what I would like to encourage people. We went to uh, Don and Linda's home group, LifeLink, uh, this past Friday night, and and uh, I went home kind of feeling a little intimidated, actually. I thought, wow, there's, a, there's some powerful people there. I was kind of calculating roughly around 700 years with the whole group of people following Christ. Isn't that amazing? And so if you want to go where there's people who are seasoned in the Lord, I'm just putting a plug in, but not seriously. That's the way I went. I went away feeling like I sat amongst seasoned followers of Christ and just to be able to receive from them and hear what God has put in their hearts. It's pretty amazing, really. You know, there's some powerful people in this church and young people and old people. I do like people who have followed the Lord for many, many years through the different seasons and the different moves of God to be able to be around them and hear, just glean from them, just pick up little things that they carry because they really do carry, they really carry a lot from the Lord. Amen? Okay. Thank you, Lord. That's... Yes, I feel very blessed this morning. And those Andrew Womack teachings really are good. I think Melissa pegged it right. It's, it really does activate your faith. causes you, cause you to get hungry to see God do something. Because God is hungry to do something. Amen? All righty. I'm going to try to give you this message this morning. Um, you know, the great thing about the Lord is uh, God does it all if we'll let him. You know what I'm saying? He'll, he, he's God who, the Bible says, He works in us, right? He works in us to will and do. Uh, in other words, He works inwardly in us to do something in us to cause us to do something outwardly. Amen? And that's really the beautiful thing about the Lord is He doesn't really ask us to do something that He hasn't already done in us. Amen? And so if, if He calls you to prayer... It's not like you've got to generate something, come up with something. He's already done prayer in you. You know, and that's, just, that's the amazing gospel that we bring to people. God's done something for you already. He's loved you already. He wants you already. You don't have to do anything but believe Him and say yes to Him. And once you do that, that sets a things in motion spiritually. It's powerful, really. That has nothing to do with my message. It has everything to do with it. <laughs> I did want to tell you one more little story. Out of, last week I talked to you about uh, Jacob, the story out of Jacob's life. Uh, when Jacob uh, was leaving home, having to, really he was running away from home with his family's help because his brother was going to kill him. You know, And his brother was not anybody you'd want to mess. Have you ever just imagined how those guys were back in those days? Like what kind of guys they were? They would make the most manly man in our culture look like a sissy man. I mean, those were, you didn't want to mess with them dudes. Uh, in fact, one of the, this is just a story, you know, that happened uh, actually after Jacob was coming home, which actually I'm going to talk about, but this is just a side thing. Is one of his, uh, he had a daughter uh, named Diane, and obviously she, she, was, she was raped, basically. And so her brothers took great offense to what happened to her and went and uh, tricked these guys in a town, uh, tricked them into to getting circumcised. And, of course, they were trying to recover. In their recovery, they went out and just killed piles of these guys. I mean, just wiped out the whole village of men and killed, killed a bunch of their animals. And, of course, that didn't sit well with Jacob. Number one, he said, now these people are going to hate me. i got to move again because they're going to be after me. But later, he really did go after them about what they did when he, at the end of his life, bringing a blessing. But the whole point was, was these were people, and they weren't really good Christian people, really. You know what I'm saying? You mess with my sister, you're dead, son. <laughs> well, anyways, let me just recap just a second. Jacob uh, was born holding his brother Esau, they were twins, holding his heel. And because Jacob had this thing in him, and it was something that God put in him. Okay, God put something in Jacob. 
And so he was born grabbing a heel grabber. In other words, he was trying to take the place of Esau. Esau was the firstborn. And I mentioned in the Hebrew culture, the firstborn became the heir, the greater heir, and became the head of the family. And so even from his birth, even without him even knowing it, there was this thing in Jacob that was motivating him and pushing him. Now, he didn't do it right. Obviously, but there was still something of God that God put in that man to do something. And, and then later in life, one day, I told this story last, so I'll tell it again for those who missed it, is his brother was a hunter, and one day he came in, Esau came in just famished. You know, you've been that way before. You just felt weak and famished, and your, your brain was foggy, and you needed something to, to recover. And Jacob said, I'll give you some of my stew if you'll give me your birthright. And he did. Now, that didn't sit well, uh, you know, with God, that, that Esau did it. But, but, the, but nevertheless, Jacob was not right in what he did. Jacob had something in him. He wanted that birthright. He wanted what God, God had promised. And he believed for it, but he wasn't doing it necessarily right. Well, then later, uh, Jacob and his mom, his beautiful, amazing mom, conspired to, get, to really get that birthright and get that blessing from Isaac, who, who was an old man, blind, uh, couldn't hear. I mean, he was at, at very aged at the end of his life. And so he tricked him, you know, put some skins on to make him feel hairy because his brother was hairy. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's what they did and fixed him, Stephen. He got this blessing from the Lord, uh, from his dad. Uh, and so, of course, Esau came. Uh, later trying to get the blessing and it wasn't going to happen okay because the blessing had already been released it was already a, it was a done in the lord and when god does something there's nobody can undo it it may not sound fair but god that's just the way the deal worked okay so so they take off they esau decides he's going to kill him starts talking about killing his brother you know he could kill him and be, you know get the blessing take over uh but he didn't because they kind of told Jacob, you need to go, go to your uncle's, find you some girls there, like remember the cousins, go get your cousins and marry them. It's crazy, isn't it? So that's what he, he took off, and then he wound up sleeping at this place called Bethel, okay? And he had this dream there, this pirate, and it's the, one of the more famous dreams in the Bible where it's Jacob's ladder, okay? And he sees these angels going up and down on this ladder, and God makes the, the oath, makes the covenant with Jacob that he made with Abraham at that moment. So you see, he, he, he cheated his brother out of it. He tricked his daddy into giving it to him. But now God was giving him the covenant. God was giving him the promises. Isn't that powerful? It's very powerful. that At that moment... But the problem was Jacob, he didn't know. He didn't really understand what was happening because Jacob was used to doing things Jacob's way. Okay? Jacob was going to get the blessings of God his way. And so when the blessings actually came, he missed it. He didn't really understand what happened to him at that moment. And I think lots of times God has given us something. God has put something right in our Right before us, and we're missing it because of we're going to find out how to do it our way. We're going to do it the way we're supposed to do it. We're going to, we got this way we believe it should work, but we're missing it because of that. Let me read this verse from uh, 28, 15. I want to point this thing out to you. And this is what God was saying up there to Jacob in this dream. Uh, he gave him all these promises about the land, and you know, he said, what's more, this is verse 15 and 28, What's more, I'm with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day, one day, everybody say one day. I will bring you back to this land. One day I'm going to bring you back. And I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Every, everybody say everything. God, that's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of God is that he wants to give us everything that has been promised to us. And what is everything? Every spiritual blessing is helpful how Paul called it in Ephesians 1 3 in the heavenly places is ours in Christ and and God's heart is is to say to every human being I want you to have everything now that doesn't and I believe we have received because Paul said we received it the problem is 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 
is the reality of that and walking that out and, and the outworking of that everything. You see, that's not immediate. And that's what this is absolutely the challenge of Christianity. It's because we have contradictions. We have quoted this verse, the, by his stripes we are healed. That's what the Bible says. Uh, it says that in the New Testament. Uh, when Peter quotes it, he quotes, we were healed. We were healed. That's what he says, by the stripes of Jesus. But yet we pray for the sick. We, we, we're not seeing the healing. But the truth is we are. Are you hearing me? And that's where all this challenge and conflict comes just a side, another side note. I'm just trying to be careful here. But another side note, I think, just really listening to to all the scriptures and all the and I've read a bunch of healing books lately. Everyone I could get my hands on, and the thing that has really spoken my heart is we as as the church for many years have been handed a bad theology on healing. We really have. We've believed things that's simply not what the scriptures teach. And so what we're having to do is we're having to undo stuff. We're having to undo beliefs that we have because that's the key. That's the thing God's going after right now. I believe in his people. He's going after what we believe. Because if you believe something that's wrong, it's going to bind you up. It's going to keep you. It really is. It really is. And so I believe we've, we've, we've been handed this thing not by... I mean, some of us obviously de- de- demonic, but some of us just well-meaning, trying to explain, trying to understand why we're not seeing things. Why is God not there? So we come up with these reasonable answers that sound right, sound biblical, but they're not. They're not. And that's where God wants to shift us. He wants to shift us into a realm where we begin to believe what He said. And when we begin to believe what He said, we're going to start hearing Him and believe what He's saying to us. And that's why he wants to fix our believing. My believing and your believing needs repair. It needs healing. It needs some bad stuff to go. And we need to humble ourselves and allow the Lord to do that. Okay, well, that's just another story. Now I forgot where I was at. Okay. So years later, Jacob, you know, Jacob leaves, leaves that experience, goes to his uncle, marries two women, has these other women, you know, back in those days, they did that too. They didn't do everything right back then. You hear what I'm saying? They didn't do things right, but they, that's what they did. And, but now God starts speaking to them, it's time to go back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is many, many, many years down the road. And Jacob continues, if you study the whole thing, it's just a beautiful story. He continues in his mode of grabbing at things and working out things and going after things. Beautiful on, on one level, but terrible on another. Beautiful that's what's in his heart to not accept anything less than what God has for him, but terrible that he's going about it in a very carnal, human, foolish way, which creates all this havoc around him. And he has havoc everywhere he goes. His, finally, his uncle decides he's had it with him. His uncle turns against him, which causes family, that's family difficulty, father-in-law, wives, that's their daddy. I mean, see, he's created a mess in his life. Sounds like people we may know, (laughs) like the guy you look at in the mirror. (laughs) I've created some problems in my life unnecessarily. And so he's headed back, and he goes through some stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff, but I'm, I'm cutting, getting down to what I wanted to really talk about just a minute here. Is he's getting closer and closer to home, and he knows Esau is there. He knows he's got to deal with that brother. Okay? And so he sends some messengers to go speak to Esau and say, Hey, Esau, your brother's coming. He loves you. He cares about you. Well, the messengers come back and said, this is not good. Esau's on the way, and he has 400 armed men with him. Now, that would be a bad day. You're sitting around with your wives, your babies, a few servants that can't do nothing, don't even know what a sword is, you know what I'm saying? You're not equipped to deal with 400 armed men and a very angry brother. That's, that was the state he was in. 
suddenly his past had come back to him. And he was going to have to face the, the, the consequences of the choices and decisions he made in his life. I mean, it was going to hit him right in the face. And he was scared. He was deathly afraid. He started crying out to the Lord. And he uh, uh, comes to this place. This is what I want to... And I told you all of that. Y'all good? We could stop now. I'd be happy. <laughs> he comes to this place called the River Jaboke. Everybody say Jaboke. I think that's a proper pronunciation, but it doesn't matter to me. You know, I've been known to mispronounce quite a bit in my life. But it never hurt me except when I was in school trying to figure out how to get through English literature and grammar classes. I, oh, I regret not studying that stuff, don't you? I didn't study that stuff. I thought it was boring, so I just did as little as I could, which now has come back to home. That was a decision I'm facing in my life. Um, so, um, and so Jaboke was a, what they call a, a tributary or is a stream or it was a river that was fed, I think it feeds into the Jordan. It's all connected to the Jordan River, okay? And, and so he, that's where he comes to. He comes to this, to this place called Jaboke, the River Jaboke. And see, in some ways, in some ways, it's a type of the cross for us. It really is. It, it, there's this amazing thing that happens to him at Jabot. This is one of the more powerful things that have, has spoken to me for years and years. Uh, you know, trying to process in my life who I am. Are, you know what I'm saying? Like, who, who the heck am I, Lord? And, and what is my real voice? What have you really put in me? That's the, that's the thing for all of us. We're on this earth and we're trying to sort through all these things. And it's complicated and it's not easy. It's really not. For some people it's easier than others, obviously. Because just the blessings that they were under growing up. But for many people it's just, you have to overcome destruction. You know what I'm talking about? You have to overcome destruction in your soul. Of your past. That's absolutely destroyed you inwardly. And there has to be all these things that happen in your life. And see, that was where Jacob was. Jacob had, he had caused destruction because he was full of destruction himself. He was full of pain. He was full of hurt. But he had this thing driving him at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you know how that feels in you where you feel something, you, you feel something that's from God in you and you know it's God. You know it's not you because you're not that good. You're not that great. You couldn't come up with that. But at the same time, you have all this brokenness and hurt in you. And so there's this conflict that you're trying to deal with. You're trying to work through all this stuff, trying to be who you're supposed to be. And trying to live the life that God put you on this earth to live. Am I talking to anybody? And that's really what Jaboke is about. It's about, about answering this, these things and getting in the right direction in your life. And so I'll, let me read the story to you right quick, okay? Or, well, it says, uh, he came to the river, it says, during the night, this is verse chapter 32. Okay, I'm tired. Y'all wearing me out here. This church, if you're going to come to this church, you're going to worship the Lord, and you're going to preach, or you're going to pray, you're going to be tired. This is a workout, man. This is almost like CrossFit. You know? Uh, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives. He had two servant wives. You know, so he wound up having four women in his life. That was one of the reasons he was messed up, y'all. So, I mean, good Lord, you got four women telling you, you ain't right, son. Get with it, pal. You're not going to treat me like that. Well, how am I supposed to treat you then? I'm trying to figure out how to treat the other ones. They all want to be treated different, right? So, anyways, that's a great thing about women. They want to be treated individually. And so he had 11 sons. So that's basically, and he crossed the Jaboak River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone. Now, that's important because this is a thing that you and I are going to have to wrestle with, okay, alone. This is not something that you can resolve with other people. Sure, God will send other people. God will give you counselors. He'll give you shepherds. He'll give you friends. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, every one of us is going to have to come to this place right here, just you and God, 
Your friend going there is not going to get you there. You can enjoy what they got there, and it can encourage you to go there, but eventually you're going to have to go there. And so everything that meant anything to Jacob, his family, his children, and all the possessions he had acquired working hard for many, many years, because he was a hardworking man. He had a lot of possessions, but he worked for every bit of it. And he had to let all of that go at that moment. He had to let it all go. And see, see, there's these moments in our life, and that's really what the word jaboke actually means. It means emptying. It means pouring out. It means a place of struggle. Okay? That doesn't sound like the glorious Christian life, does it? But I'll tell you, it is. I'll tell you, that's how you enter into the glorious Christian life. As you, you, you come to this place, you come to this place of emptying, you come to this place of struggle, you come to this place where you begin to pour out what's in you and pour out what you have and give it and start letting go. Um, uh, it's the place we come to the end of the self-life so the life of Christ can come forth. That's what it's a picture of. Where we come to the end of our self and our strengths, our talents, what we carry, and we come to the end of that, that does not end easily. That's a hard, that's a, what I call a hard landing. You ever had a hard landing? It hurts. It hurts. See, this was a very painful moment. He was scared. His brother was chasing him. Now he's alone. The people he loved the most, he was afraid for them. He got them away from him just in case his brother was there. You know, they wouldn't get them. I mean, you know, it was his children. It was, he was being an amazing husband and an amazing father at that moment. But he was being driven by fear. And so it's a place of being emptied out and pouring out. Uh, it's a place where we exhaust all our resources. It's, we come to the end of our own resources. It's a place of bankruptcy, really, where we become bankrupt of ourselves. And that's really what happened to Jacob there. He, he, he started becoming bankrupt of who Jacob was because all his life up into them, he was able to wrestle things. He was able to get what he wanted one way or the other because he was a sly guy, he was a smart guy, and he knew how to do it. But he finally came to that place where he knew his back was against the wall and there was no escape. He couldn't figure it out. He could not figure out how to get what he wanted to get where he wanted. He was overwhelmed. He was overwhelming. Sometimes God's going to allow us to be overwhelmed in life, not to overwhelm us, but to get us to the place where God can be who he wants to be for us and bring us into what he has for us. And for most people, it takes this. It really does. I haven't met anybody yet who it didn't take this, this kind of encounter with the Lord or maybe many of these kinds of encounters. And one of the great things about this, about feeling bankrupt and feeling empty you need to we all need to feel that at times we all need to have a sense of emptiness to know that we have this need in our life are you hearing what I'm telling you sometimes God brings you to a place where there's empty where you feel empty where you feel busted where you feel broke and you need to feel that to become get a revelation that there's something you don't have there's something you're not walking in there's something you're not carrying that God has for you it's just like we would never know uh, uh, really what it feels to be physically full if we didn't really know what it felt to be hungry. Hunger's a gift from God in the natural. Thirst is a gift. So we'll know we're supposed to have something more. Our body's telling us that. You know, when people are dying, I'll just throw this in. Uh, you know, when people are dying, they lose their appetite, Right? They lose their appetite. They lose, they lose their desire for water, right? And, and so when we lose that hunger spiritually, we lose that thirst spiritually, it should tell us something. It should tell us something. It's God trying to speak to us. It's God. You see, we need to be hungry for God because we have, I'm not talking about hunger in a negative sense. Oh, we're these desperate, poor, pitiful people. No, I'm talking about that God has more. There's more to God. God, there's stuff God wants to show you that you haven't really seen. There's things in the Bible that you've read a million times, but God has never illuminated it to you. And so God gives us this thing, the desire, this hunger to, for that, 
to tap into something beyond what we're tapping into. It's a gift. It's a gift. And this is really what was happening in that moment in the natural for him. Um, this is another thing about Jaboka. It's about recovering or, or discovering who God really is. Okay? The reality of God. Because here's, what, here's the reality. The world we live in is a very broken world. Okay? And what has to happen, but see, there's, there's, there's a brokenness of the world and there's a brokenness of God. You hear what I'm saying to you? They're different. And that's where we discover, we discover something about God when we enter into His brokenness. Y'all gotten quiet on me. Nobody likes the brokenness theology, right? I'm, I don't like it, but I'll tell you this. This is what this place would bring you to. It bring you to a place of inward brokenness. You know, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, one of the things that Jacob did once at the end of this, I'll read it in a minute, is he renamed the place. It was called Jaboak, emptiness. You know what he renamed it to? Face of God. You see, that's what broken. See, recovering the reality of God, finding the reality of God, finding God in your brokenness. How many believers do you know that no longer really follow the Lord, or they're cynical, they're sarcastic because because of life, because of the brokenness that came, and God didn't do what they wanted God to do, and they became hardened towards God. You know what I'm talking about. You see, that's the worst thing that could ever happen to us. That's what the devil wants to happen to you. But God wants us to find Him in that broken place. That's really what is happening here in Jacob's life. Because Jacob had really never found, it was always the God of Abraham that he knew, or the God of Isaac. But it was, at that point, it was not the God of Jacob. It was granddaddy's God, or it was daddy's God. But he wasn't my God. Not really. And that's where he found, he's my God. I found his face, I saw his face. And it's also about control. Oh, I wanted to tell you this. Can I tell you this one? This is a side thing. I'm running out of time, y'all. I'm, but I do want to tell you this. This is really important, okay? This is a side issue. It's about worship. This is what the Lord's been, the Lord's been speaking to me about worship a lot lately, okay? And I'm not talking about just singing in church, okay? But this is what I really feel is going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to exactly look like. But I think there's, a, there's some people who have found God in brokenness that are going to bring forth some worship in the earth. And I believe that worship is going to have power to heal. It's going to, it's going to have power to take the brokenhearted, the displaced, and it's going to bring them into who God really is. I, I, yeah, I am really, I feel that. I've seen it in dreams. I've seen people, I've seen people, I won't tell you, a few people, in this church, worshiping, and, and I know from life experience, those are very broken people, and they found God in their brokenness, and there's something that's going to come out of them at some point. There's a worship, there's a aroma that's going to come out, and it's going to fill the atmosphere. And all this foolishness about worship, all this crazy stuff going, that's what we're really going to go for. That's, it's going to fill the atmosphere with the aroma of Christ. And it's going to do something. It's going to shift things. And it's going to come out of people who found God like Jacob to hear. They found Him in their broken moment. They found Him in their brokenness. Not in just in their best time. Not in just in the revival. But when they were down and they were down and they were just as down as low as they could go. That somehow in that place they found the grace of God to find God. God's going to do that. And God wants to do that in people's lives. He really does, because we're all going to have the opportunity to, to face Jaboat. You can't escape it if you're going to really go after the Lord. There's no escape. You'll find him there. Oh, okay. The other thing is about control. Everybody likes to control, right? You act like you don't, but you do. Everybody tries to control. Some people are very, most people who are controllers are fearful people. They're insecure. Their control is they're trying to protect themselves. If they can control their environment around them, they can control the people around them. If they could just keep these people from acting right and keep them sort of just control the whole thing, everything's going to be all right. What a big lie. And see, that's what Jaboat does. It brings us to the place where we realize that when we try to control 
and we try to have control of our life and control of our destiny and control of what we're going to do, it creates the most terrible, wicked brokenness there is in us. It creates a brokenness that's, just, that's full of poison. And so when we begin to see that like he did, he realized he had poisoned his life and he had poisoned all his relationships around him with what he was doing. And that's where he began to let go of control and trying to get what he believed God had for him in his own way. Are y'all following this? You're looking at me madly. Okay. Let me just, uh, I'm, I'm running out of time, but I'm going to finish. The wrestling match. Oh, we got to read about wrestling. Who likes to wrestle? Oh, every one of you do. This, okay, this left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man, little M, this is interesting, little M, not big M, they didn't decide it was big M. Somebody has some questions about this man. A man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's all night, man. You know, I wrestled a few people in my life. Wrestling will wear you out faster than anything. If you can last two or three minutes wrestling and real hard with somebody, you're in good shape. You know, you just hang on to them. That was my last wrestling man. I wrestled this. I wrestled my. Uh, he was like a step nephew one time. He was 16 years old, and I was hanging on for dear life. I was out of breath. I was a lot stronger than him at that point. And, but, and I was just holding him, hoping to God he didn't realize I was defeated. <laughs> I had him convinced I had him, but I was gasping for breath. I was whipped. I had nothing. All he had to do was get turned around. He could have threw me all over the house. <laughs> That's what happens when you're wrestling. These guys wrestled all night. Okay? That's pretty amazing. Uh, and so my question, and, and I have the answer to this question, but this is a great question is who was he wrestling with? Was he wrestling? Think about it. I want you to just forget about the rest of the story. Was he wrestling with himself? Was he wrestling with how he treated his daddy? How he tricked his daddy? Was he wrestling with how he treated his brother? Was he wrestling about his future? Was he wrestling with his fear? Was he wrestling with his disappointment? Was he wrestling with how he felt like I've done all this and now look where it's got me? What's your thing that you wrestle with? We all wrestle with something, right? We all got things we're wrestling with. We hear something about somebody or somebody close that we love and it stresses us and we begin to wrestle with it. Do y'all know what I'm saying? We're wrestling. We spend our entire life wrestling with something. There's not many days that go by where we don't feel something. We, got. we hear about something that happened with the president or Congress. We start wrestling with it because we care about the president. We care about Congress. We care about the future of our nation because we care about our children. And so we have all these things in life that we wrestle with. Jacob had a lot to wrestle with. He had a bad past he had to wrestle with. I can imagine at this point in time, he was like, man, why did I do what I did? Why did I treat daddy like that? And now he's gone, and I can't really never tell him I love him, and I'm sorry I tricked him. Those are things we wrestle with. They really are. I don't know about you. I've spent a lot of my life wrestling with stuff. I spent years wrestling with me, of who I am. Years of my life, I fought myself. And I spent years of my life wrestling with God about this thing that God put in me that I couldn't understand why he would say these things to me and how it was going to work out. And so I just wrestled away with them. Am I, I'm not the only person who does that. I promise you, I'm not going to ask you all. Everybody in this room wrestles with their identity. There's not a soul in this room that don't at some point. Whether you're conscious of it or you're unconscious, there's a wrestling match going on. And, of course, we wrestle with the devil, right? Because Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities in the heavenly places. But in the end, in the end, we're wrestling with God. Jacob, in the end, was wrestling with God. 
Because you see, when we're wrestling with all this stuff, God's in all this stuff. If you're fighting for your identity, you're fighting to figure out stuff, you're, you, you know, the, the person you're really ultimately wrestling with is God. I know that's hard for some of you to think. So I think it's really all those things, really. I think it's all of that and God. That's what I really believe about this. I think it's all of that because I think that's our journey. I think that's our journey into coming into everything that God has for there's going to be some wrestling going on. There's going to be some wrestling going on. You're going to wrestle with things that people have said about you that hurt you, or you're going to wrestle with things that how people have hurt you, disappointed you, left you, rejected you, put you down, forgot you. All that. All that causes us to wrestle. Every bit of it. We're not robots. We're human beings. We have feelings. We have emotions. We have to work through all that and find God in that. You hear what I'm saying? We have to find God in that. Lord help. Y'all done got quiet on me and mean looking. <laughs> Woo. And then it says in verse 25, when the man saw that he would not win. Think about that. When the man saw that he would not win. Like What? God, you can't beat this man. What in the world kind of God is that? I mean, that's what, when I was reading that, knowing the end of the story, it was God, and God can't even beat this guy in a fight? It's crazy. It is crazy. It's very interesting. Yep, yep. He said he couldn't beat him, you know. Oh, Lord. I tell you what that doesn't mean. Doesn't mean that Jacob was stronger than God. I tell you what it means. And I tell you what it means for many of us. It means that Jacob flat would not quit trying to do what he always did. That's what it means. He had always fought for what he got. And he was going to fight his way through this thing. And God saw this man's flesh will not yield. His flesh will not yield. That's what God saw in Jacob. He's just not going to, he's not going to quit. No, he's not going to bend. He refuses to. He's stubborn. He's, he's full. He's a fighter. You know, God created him that way. But, you know, when you start fighting God, your gift suddenly can kind of go wrong, right? Yeah, that's really what was going on there. And so he touched his... Thigh says, I will not. The man said, Let me go for dawn is bright. He rent, oh, it says, When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of the socket. Notice it said he didn't punch his hip. Notice it said he didn't grab it and yank it. He touched it. He just went, Now you know God touches you. And it broke his hip. It, it pulled the hip socket out. That's a major socket in your body. That's the biggest bone in your body is your femur, right? Isn't it a femur? And he yanked it out of socket just by a touch. And Jacob said, are y'all hearing this? We've always had this saying, don't trust anybody without a limp. I'm talking about spiritually. It's not, don't trust anybody who hadn't had that encounter with God. Because they're not, don't trust yourself to people who don't have a limp in their spirit. Don't trust yourself with people who've not wrestled things through with God. Because they find God. Those are the people who find God. Those are the people who reflect God. Anyway, that was an old saying, but I think it's right. Uh, then, uh, then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now listen, there's just a couple things. One, this is amazing, okay, what he said to him. It's, it's like there's two sides to it. The amazing side is, is Jacob, like everybody in this room, has had this deep need in his life for the blessing. For, for God to bless the, us and for God to affirm us. Everybody in this room, we carry that in us. Every little child in this world 
looks to their daddy for affirmation. They are hungry to get affirmed by their daddy. The worst mistakes I see daddies make is when their child looks at them with this look on their face saying, Daddy, are you proud of me? It can be the simplest little thing. Oh, look what Emma did. She ate all her food. You know who she looks at? She don't look at me. She don't look at her mama. She looks straight into her daddy's face saying, Daddy, are you proud of me? Are you proud of me? Do I have your blessing, Daddy? If you're a daddy, that's the most important thing you give your child is affirm them, affirm who they are. And so you see, are y'all following that? That's really important. That'll change your life. But see, Jacob was saying, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Here's the thing. You can't wrestle the blessings of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't wrestle his blessings from him. That, that's not the way this thing worked. Yet that's how Jacob did everything. He wrestled everything. And God had already, listened. the real truth is, I said it last week, God had already blessed him. Up there in Bethel 20-something years ago, God had already blessed him. But here he is craving this blessing because he didn't know it. He didn't believe it. He had no revelation of it. Are you hearing me? He didn't have a revelation. You could tell somebody all day, you're blessed, I love you, I love you. But if, not, it's not, if their heart's not hearing it, it's a hole. It's like pouring water in a, in a glass with a hole in it. It just pours right out. And you start over the next day and it pours right out. It never does any good. Are y'all following this? And that's what was really happening at that moment. He, he was craving something, but he was trying to get the blessings of God the way he got everything else, other, all other blessings. And he didn't need to because he already had the blessing. We don't have to wrestle God's blessing from his hands. We don't have to beg him. We don't have to flop around and fast for 20 years. We don't really have to do that. He may ask us to fast. He may ask us to get on our knees. He may ask us to do things. But we don't have to do those things to get him to move on our behalf. And that's the era the church has got into. We've got into this era that we've got to earn something for God. We've got to please God. And we're trying to get something that we already possess. That's why I said last week that Jacob was a perfect example of most Christians. And I have been one of those Christians. I've wrestled with God for everything and fought it out with him. Trying to get something, he said, you've already got it. And it took the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to me Listen, son, you need to take what I've already given you and begin to learn how to walk it out and begin to believe and begin to trust and take God for his word, not take my circumstances for my word. Because we're taking our circumstances for our word instead of the word of God being the word. Do y'all hear me? And we're guilty of that. And God wants to deliver us from that craziness. And we can say, yeah, but, and what about this and my experience? And God wants to tell you, don't start there. Start with what the Word says and begin to line your beliefs up with the Word. That's how this thing is meant to work. And God will begin to work on your experience and your, He'll begin to heal. Okay, I've got to finish now. Two more minutes, Lord help. Mm. Okay, what is it? I will not let you glace name. Okay, what's your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men have won. You fought with God, you're broken. When I touched him, that's what won. It was through submission. And that's how he started coming into his true identity as Israel. Are y'all hearing this? He never would have got his, his identity Outside of walking through Jabok. Jabok is where he found his identity. It's not like he not only found the face of God there, he found who he was there. And isn't it interesting though, this is a really another perplexing thing about the Bible. If you go and study uh, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, guess who God says the most of those three names? God of Jacob. More than the God of Abraham. You think, oh no, God identifies more of Abraham. No, God identifies with Jacob. And, and it's crazy because Jacob, his name didn't disappear from the Bible after this. It, suddenly it's no longer, we're calling him Israel all the time. 
Hey, brother Israel. No, they kept calling him Jacob. The Bible keeps calling him Jacob. And God has identified himself as the God of Jacob. The God of people who didn't do it right. The God of people who are broken. And a God who wants to step into your brokenness. To step into it with you. And that's what this wrestling match that you and I and Jacob went through. It was God stepping into our brokenness. As we wrestle through in life, God has stepped into this dark place with us. If you're sick, he stepped in there. If you're divorced, he stepped in there. If you're messed up in your mind, God wants to step in there with you and help you and work with you and wrestle through this stuff with you. At the end of the day, we're not wrestling against God. We're wrestling with God for something. In other words, God is on our side as a tag team. And putting it in natural language. You know, some people said us and God is a majority. It's true. Me and God can beat, put a thousand, ten thousand to flight. That's what they were saying. And that's how God wants us to see this. And, and he wants us to begin to see this. He wants us to begin to change the way we think. He wants us to begin to start believing him. That's what the Lord told me recently. Byron, your believing is messed up because you believe things that are not true. You believe things that somebody or something has told you, but they're really not the truth of the word. And you need to get that straight because that's going to hinder you for your whole life. If you want to see God move in your life, you've got to believe he wants to move. I'm being slobbery. Okay. Woo, Lord, help me. One of the things that's important, I've got to finish. Oh, Lord. Is they, he said, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. And what, he wasn't like, oh, Jacob, good to meet you, bro. I've heard about you. That wasn't it. It was Jacob confessing something. Jacob saying, I've done it wrong. I've done it all wrong. I've jipped and I've fought people over stuff I shouldn't have fought. I hurt my mama. I hurt my daddy. I hurt my brother. I hurt my wives. I hurt my father-in-law. I've caused my sons to go get all messed up. I've done it wrong. I'm sorry. I'm wrong, God. That's what he was saying. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Do you know how much power there is in that word when we say, when we say that to God, I'm wrong? All power from heaven comes at that moment. It all comes at that moment and is available to you to say, great, you're wrong. Guess what? You'll no longer be wrong. This is who you are. And you're going to learn how to live not from wrong, but from who I say you are. You know? And that's the, really the process that we're in. It's a process. It doesn't all this, none of this, this is not a microbe. It doesn't all happen in a moment. The only place it happens in a moment is in our spirit. We're a new creation. But it's this process of working this out and allowing this to become who we really are and be who we really are. Oh, let me just finish reading the rest of it because it's so beautiful. Uh, and Jacob says, uh, tell me your name. Why do you want me to know my name? Well, duh, somebody did all this. I'd like to know who this character is, right? Jacob knew his name. The man replied, uh, the man replied, then he blessed Jacob there. See, he got the blessing. He got something there. Jacob named a place Peniel, which means face of God. Okay? Jacob found God in his most broken, terrible moment of his life. His broken, and he's still, and see, Esau's still out there. 400 guys are still coming. Okay? Mad guys, mean guys. You got 11 kids, four women with you. You know, well, this is going to be a great... But in his worst moment, all his disappointments, all his hurts, everything, at that moment, it says that he said, this place is the face of God. I've met God here. I've seen God here. I've seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. Boy, if you could see God face to face and your life spared, you can know one thing. It doesn't matter what Esau does. I didn't, I didn't face the Almighty. The Almighty has showed up in my life. And the Almighty has revealed Himself and told me something. And so whatever everybody else is doing really ain't going to make that big a difference. Because I'm going to be able to live free of that. 
God will, if he showed up, he'll work that out with Esau. Let me finish. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Isn't that beautiful? In other words, he walked with that. In fact, one of the beautiful things, I think, in the Bible is when Jacob was dying. And it says this one little phrase, he was leaning on his staff. You know why he was leaning on his staff? Yeah, because he couldn't put all his weight there. You, you, you think about it, every step the man took for the rest of his life, face of God. He never forgot it. He never forgot it. It changed his life. Completely changed. He went through some bad stuff. He still had difficulty in front of him. You know, I often think this, y'all. I, gosh, I think it. We tell people some of our story. And one of the things I try to tell people is, listen, this terrible stuff happened to us. It was terrible. It crushed us. But I think if God wouldn't have done what he did in our life before the terrible, we would have never made it through the terrible. All the beautiful things God did that we, we mourned, that we lost, we were broken, we were crushed. But it was that very thing that enabled us to keep going when everything was crushed. Because somehow we were able to find God because what God did. You hear what I'm saying to you? And, that's, and we're going to go through stuff. You're going to go, we all are. We live in a world that bad stuff happens. But we can know something. We can know something. If we, will, if we will allow this in our life when God brings us to this place. God, don't go try to go there. That's stupid. You know, I mean, dog, I ain't doing none of that stuff. I'm not one of these people who pray for patience. Right? I ain't praying, and that's coming. I don't need to pray for it. I want to pray for something else. But it is through faith and patience we attain the promises. It really is. It's both. So, I think, you know, like for me, I've been wrestling. I've been wrestling with some brokenness in my life. I got some brokenness in parts of me, you know, that God brought up to me from a long time ago, from a real long time ago, pre, you know, B.C. brokenness, before Christ brokenness, that was hidden deep down inside of me that I knew was there, but I never had God to say, I'm going to touch that. And one morning when I was alone, Becky was out of town, I woke up and I felt God touch it. And it was painful, real painful. I didn't want to, like, mm, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to deal with that. But I realized at that moment I need to walk, I need to find God in this brokenness, this broken place in me. Because I'll never get healed, I'll never get wholeness if I don't find Him there, if I don't let Him have His way there. And at that point, the only thing I need to do is say, Lord, you're invited to come in to that place. You can do what you want to now. It's yours, Lord. I give it to you. You have to do what only you can do. I, I, can't, I can't even go back and pass and even deal with the situation or the people that caused all that because they're, they're gone. They're long gone. And I forgave them a long time ago, but they're in heaven with the Lord, I believe. So, you know, there really is going to be a worship that rises from people that's going to shift atmospheres. It's, it's, it's the, there's the hungry, there's the hurting, there's the broken that are going to flood to that aroma. They're going to flood to it because they're going to find hope. They're going to find life there. You hear what, hear what I'm saying? Can I just pray for you right quick? And then, you can come up. Let me just pray for you if you don't, if you like. Uh, I won't ask the broken people to, who, feel, or who are in brokenness, you know. I just want to tell you that the Lord's going to help you if you'll let him. If you'll just make that step with the Lord and know that you're not wrestling against God, but you're wrestling with God in this situation. So, Father, I just pray for everybody in this room. Every one of us carries some level of brokenness. Uh, that needs fixing. Lord, I thank you for the people in this room who've walked through Jaboke, who's, who's had that dark night of the soul, as some call it, where they have had to face things about themselves and about their life and about how they've operated and came out facing you, came out with a 
eternal Holy Spirit lamp. I think about that scripture. It says, My beloved is coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved. Leaning. See, that's, that's what this is. It's we come out leaning on this person. So, Father, I just pray for all the hurting and broken people in this room that somehow they could come through this and find you in their brokenness. They would find the face, your face, Lord, your beautiful face. I just ask you to do that, Lord. I ask you for every person who really needs to see your beautiful face and the beautiful touch from heaven, the moment of truth. I ask you, Lord, to release that so that we all could come in to all those great and precious promises, priceless promises that enable us to partake in the very life and nature of Jesus Christ. I just, I just pray that. Release that in this room. Just take a moment and just receive from the Lord. I believe when they were praying about the breakthrough thing, there really is an anointing for breakthrough. I felt was released in this room during worship. I saw it. I saw breakthrough. I didn't know what it was until they, Marlon, prayed it. Breakthrough. And God wants to release you into a breakthrough. He wants to send help to you today. God wants to help you. Just say, Lord, help me. He hears that cry. It says in Job, Lord hears the cry of the wound and, and does not despise it. He doesn't despise it. God wants all of us to have all that we are supposed to have in Christ, all of it. He wants us to walk in all of it, to, to know we have it and begin to understand how to live it out and see it come forth. So, Lord, we thank you for that Holy Spirit today. Let the Holy Spirit touch your heart right now. Let the oil from heaven just massage your heart and massage your thinking. Just invite His oil into your mind. Invite His oil. Say, I invite the oil of the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit and power. Power. Release that into these people now. Holy Spirit and power. And power. The power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we declare that over these people. Hey, listen, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to stop. This is important, okay? I'm going to pray this prayer. You can receive it. Father, I break every curse that's trying to to light on your people in this room today. I curse those curses. I curse the lies of the devil. I curse the commission of the devil. I break its power in the name of Jesus. I take authority over what has been done to your people. I take authority over that, Lord, and say you must stop and you must go in Jesus' name. And I invite the commission the plans, the purposes, the promises, the covenant of God to manifest, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I say that, Lord. Devil, you've got to leave, people. You've got to stop your mess. Lord, I just declare freedom over your people because you've declared freedom. Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We can say all this stuff, but if we're not doing it in His name, it's not going to matter a hill of being. But in His name. In His name, Jesus said, we would crush the power of the devil. In Jesus' name. It's time for the church to start believing in the name of Jesus. It's not a formula. It's not a cute thing to attach to your prayers. It's real. And it's time for us to grab hold of the reality of that. Don't be a skeptic and don't let your experience or your weak theology and your poor doctrine determine what you believe. Let the word of the Lord be the thing that determines your life. That was a powerful message. I don't want to add too much to it. No quiero agregar mucho a esto. All I want to do is Todo lo que quiero hacer es talk about the word called sozo. How many of you have that word sozo before? Soso, la Saved, healed, and delivered. Salvado, sanado, y libertado. That means he touches your body, your Eso soul, tu cuerpo, tu alma, and he makes you whole. Y te sana. 
La palabra salvar significa soso en la escritura. Así que di, Padre, soso. En el nombre de Jesús. Si necesitas oración, podemos tener el equipo de administración que pase. Vamos a poner manos sobre ti. Ven y recibe la bendición. Ven y recibe la bendición. Ven y recibe tu soso. En el nombre de Jesús. Ven con la paz de Dios. Y que su rostro amoroso brille sobre ti. Y que su gracia te Y que su amor te sature. En el nombre de Jesús. Amén. I do feel an anointing in my Never been so free caught in your love for me. Never been more secure knowing your heart, Lord. Never been so free caught in your love for me. Never been more secure knowing your heart, Lord. Never been so free. 